Last week I read an article in the New York Times that started with these words. Every Sunday just after dawn, while much of the city sleeps, a group of men gather on the overgrown lawn of a public park in a quiet neighborhood in the capital of Suriname, South America's smallest country. They huddle together and hush. And so I was introduced to the national pastime of this small country with just half a million people, the national pastime birdsong competitions. Each of the men in that park that day was carrying a cage containing one songbird, and for the next several hours they will sit absolutely still and focused, silent as the birds sing and the referees rate each performance on a chalkboard. These competitions, believe it or not, are broadcast on national television with the entire country pausing, leaning close to their televisions and listening. As the writer of the article notes, this is a competition closer to meditation than to the adrenaline-fueled sports that galvanize other nations, and they would not have it any other way. They call it a way of life there. Apparently, they spend years training these birds to sing on cue and training themselves how to listen to pick up the nuances of birdsong. As I read this article, knowing the text for today, I could not stop imagining that scene in the temple. Old Eli, his eyesight fading, himself a metaphor or a manifestation of the failed priestly line of Israel, and young Samuel, his eyesight fine, but not yet trained on how to listen. Both of them going to bed in a temple consecrated to a God who, the narrator says, whose word was rare in those days. And so I'm left to wonder if the narrator means that God had stopped speaking in those days, keeping God's word closed off to the people, or if the narrator means that God was speaking, but the people, as a people, had forgotten how to listen. Is the rarity of God's word a kind of punishment? After all, we know from the text later on that Eli's children are corrupt and that the people of Israel have gone down a path of idolatry, locating their security in people and things other than God. And we know that during Samuel's lifetime, when he grows up, the people will clamor to him for a king, a human king, like all the other nations, even though Samuel wisely warns them that God alone is their king. So could it be that God is punishing the people by shutting up God's own mouth, keeping the word away from them? 
I suppose. But what is it, I wonder, that sends them and all of us down those well-worn paths of idolatry? Is it not possible that the gold and the money they hoard, the frenetic buying and selling that comes along with it, the chasing after power, the displacement of the temple from the center of living to other spaces, could it be that this has dulled the people's senses, rendering them unable to hear properly the God who is always speaking? whose word, perhaps, was rare, is rare, because it is not listened for or to. I don't know for sure, but I do know what I saw in our courtyard a few weeks ago. We were gathered for worship. It was chilly, but not nearly as chilly as it was last Sunday. The caroline began to play from the rooftop in worship as it does, and we were all dutifully listening as we do, like good Presbyterians, with our heads down looking at the ground. At least that's what I was doing. And I can't remember what caused me to look up in the middle of the caroline song, but I did. What I saw was an array of Presbyterians looking down, And one Presbyterian who had not gotten the memo, she was looking straight up. Maybe she was seeing the white clouds passing overhead, or maybe one of the birds that shot out of a tree, or the sunlight reflecting off the rooftop. I don't know. But what struck me in that one moment was how expectant she looked as if she knew just by paying attention, something was going to happen. And I've tried to be better since then. Really, I've tried to be better all through this pandemic with greater and lesser degrees of success about taking advantage of worshiping as a community in that outdoor sanctuary. Noticing those moments of beauty that certainly add to our worship things that we would not be able to see in here, though there are certainly beautiful moments that happen in here as well. But even more, I've been trying to walk through my days with my head up, so to speak, paying attention when it's so tempting to move on to the next thing on the to-do list, to rush to the next Zoom event to accumulate that one more thing that I just have to have to get through all of this, to hurry up a conversation and otherwise fence myself off, fence my soul off from the Word of God that is always speaking. And old Eli and the boy Samuel certainly help today. When, Samuel, when God speaks, Samuel, even though he's the chosen prophet of God, he has trouble hearing. I get that. He hears well enough, but he has not yet learned how to discern. How to recognize the voice of God from amidst all the other voices around him. 
But God in this text is patient. And Eli, while he may be on the way out the door and his eyesight may be dim, he does at last remember how to discern and is courageous enough to recognize that this is God's word, that word that had been so silent, not coming to him, the priest, but to the boy. And so together they hear in the way they can. And Eli empowers the boy to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Eli and Samuel are wise companions for us. They remind us that discernment, listening for God in the world, is not in the end a solitary task. We need one another, you and and I. That's one blessing, you know, of being Presbyterian. I've heard many a Presbyterian bemoan over the years, meeting after meeting, committees and task forces and session meetings. And we sometimes wonder if we can ever make it through another class with that person who reads the Bible differently than we do or whose politics do not jibe with ours or who prays in a way that's foreign to us. And we come to worship declaring that if we have to sing that God-awful hymn again, or if the organ gets too loud for our taste, or if the preacher says something we don't agree with, or if, God forbid, someone sits in our pew, well, we'll just stay home next time. But most of us, even as we say it, know in our heart of hearts, that we won't stay home. Why? Because we need each other. And this is not merely to allow for diversity of thoughts. That's not what this is all about, although that's terribly important. It's deeper than that. It's because we belong to one another in the body of Christ. Together, by God's grace, we are listening for the will and the way of God. And we love each other deeply. And we know that where true love is found, God is present and can be heard. The days we are in are hard. The decisions we make will determine the shape of our living as a church and as individuals in a world reeling from pandemic and division, the likes of which have not been seen in decades. But let us remember this day the witness of our brother Martin Luther King Jr., who on January 27, 1956, was sitting alone at his kitchen table after a phone call threatening to bomb his house, admitting to God what he had been afraid to admit all of that time, that he was losing his courage. And he said he heard a voice saying, Martin Luther, stand up for truth, stand up for justice, stand up for righteousness. And he did. 
It's easy for us to look out on conditions around us and declare, along with the narrator so long ago, the word of the Lord is rare in these days. Well, maybe it is. But if it is, it's not because God is silent. It's because we need to attend to listening together. For the way God even now is opening among us of peace, of transformative grace, of truth and righteousness, of justice and love. God is not silent. So let us commit this day to taking a cue from our friends in Suriname and from our friends and siblings, Eli and Samuel, from our brother Martin. Let us look up and look around and listen through prayer, through scripture, through worship, through conversation, through a walk in the woods or a neighborhood, sitting silently in a courtyard looking up. For the God who is not silent, but comes to us even now. Let us answer this day in every way. Speak, Lord, for your servants, we are listening. Amen.